People's businesses are expressions of their pain, they're expressions of their gifts and their higher selves. Um, and so going inside is the very first step in my mind for being a founder. Now you can be an investor in any business, but to, to, to found a business and have it be an authentic expression of who you are, it's usually a composite of, of your pain and your gifts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Wi-Fi Tribe podcast. I am your host, Amanda, and in this episode today, we are going to be um, having a good old chat with Sharif Fuad, who is an entrepreneur, a teacher and a speaker. And you are going to hear more about what he's been getting up to. Um, but in this episode, we, we discuss entrepreneurship, authenticity and how you make you know your business, the, the company that you found, an extension of who you are. Now, this podcast uh, does end quite abruptly because what I've decided to do is split the episode that we recorded into two parts. The reason being that the first part is all about, you know, the, the journey of an entrepreneur, the journey um, that Sharif's taken and, and some wisdom and some insights that he's got there. But then we move on to a different topic about the digital nomad community and how we can be more diverse and more authentic in that particular arena. And I thought that the two deserved to have their own moments so I have split the podcast up which is why it ends rather abruptly but this is a shorter episode short and sweet I hope you get a lot out of it um, and otherwise sit back relax and enjoy and we will catch up in the next one take care hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the wi-fi tribe podcast today's guest is the wonderful Sharif Fuad an entrepreneur teacher and speaker Sharif is the founder and CEO of Rally Raw, a brand that's all about health, well-being and peeling back the layers that hide who we really are. Rally Raw started out as being known for the nutritious cold-pressed juices that help to fuel the body. But his business now serves as a beacon in his community, moving beyond juices to the creation of safe spaces. Safe spaces that allow us to connect with ourselves and each other. He's a man on a mission an ambassador for authenticity and committed to his purpose of serving something bigger than himself. And with that, I give you Sharif Fouad. Sharif, welcome. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> I do try. <laughs> well, thank you so Love much for joining it. us on today's episode. Um, we're going to be talking about a few different things. So I kind of want to touch on, um, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur, because I know like a lot of us who, who, um, you know, want to be digital nomads, a lot of us, we kind of spend a few years maybe drifting a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best fit for us. I just want to kind of go through a little bit about your journey um, to becoming an entrepreneur. And then I also want to have a chat with you about, how that's going to fit into your your digital nomad lifestyle that you've kind of I don't know whether this is something that you've always done and then I'd love to segue into some wider discussion about the digital nomad community the struggles that we have about having conversations around diversity and inclusion and what we can do um, to have those conversations so I hope that's okay yeah for sure looking forward to that brilliant brilliant so Okay, so the first question I want to ask you then, can we have a little bit 
about your background, Sharif. Tell us all about you. Yeah, so I was born in Egypt and moved to America when I was three. We moved to the suburbs of Washington, D.C. I was a very outspoken child when I was in Egypt, but when we moved to America, I uh, was a little, I was very overwhelmed by being in a new land with a new language and not understanding how to insert myself. So I underwent a large, a long time of just not speaking. And then I just kind of went inward. And uh, over the years, just as I, you know, um, struggled to connect, I found that that very struggle became my strength. And I, I, I talk about that often, which is our early stage traumas are challenges um, when properly understood become strengths because we we combat them day in and day out, you know, from such a young age that you get so much practice in wanting to connect. And so you be you become more eloquent or you become more empathetic, mm-hmm. right? And and or um you can go the other way, which is you internalize it and then it becomes like toxic shame. And yeah. so there's this level of awareness that if you're lucky, it can happen at a young age, but if you can't process these experiences at a young age, you might end up getting to adulthood and having to go back to your childhood self and then unpack some of that stuff. And so for me, it was a little bit of both. I was acknowledging it at the time, but then I also, once I, you know, grew up, um, I would, I went back and kind of peeled back any layers because what I found is when I got to my teens, my desire for connection led me to um, substance abuse. And usually, although it wasn't full out addiction, like in some people's cases, it could be much worse. It was just an all it was a it was a constant pleasure seeking, you know, it was living for the weekend, which I think a lot of people um, can understand. Luckily, it never got too out of hand. But when I look back on that, it was um, it was a desire to connect, which is usually what addiction and substance abuse. The, uh, that's usually the undertones, mm-hmm. and so that's what my teens looked like. That's what college looked like for me, and then and then I went to New York City after college. I went to North Carolina, East Carolina University. Went to went um, started my professional career doing recruiting and sales in Lower Manhattan, and. I just was following the corporate ladder. And that was age 23 all the way to age 30. So I'm 39 wow. now. Okay. And yeah. so seven years of work hard, play hard. That's what they tell you. And I was really, really good at both. Mm-hmm. And so I just spent seven years maxing out everything I had in my tank in terms of pleasure seeking and in terms of hustling. Yeah. And I realized that was seven years. Of, when you look at all of that was kind of, present moment like living for right now with no regard to what's to come mentality and so I remember having an epiphany at age 30 when I looked at the CEO of my company as he walked by my cube and I asked myself do would I trade places for him with him with him Mm -hmm. and the answer was no so I had a resounding epiphany that no matter how hard I tried my best case scenario would be I would be at the top of a ladder that I had no business being on anyways. So yeah. if 
if I didn't want to be at the top of that ladder, then I didn't want to be on any rung on that ladder. Mm-hmm. And so it was time for me to get the hell out of New York. And so then where do I go now? So I started looking at boom towns, like towns that weren't so desolate and isolated, like, you know, the middle of nowhere America, yeah. but also not so um, where I'd be so late to the dance, like New York City and LA. So something that could I'd have a good quality of life, but also something I could bring a startup to and it would impact the community, would be felt rather than a big city where no one even feels the ripple effect of, of what you do unless it's like these multi-million dollar um, venture capitalist companies. Yeah. And so I zeroed in on Austin, Texas and Raleigh, North Carolina. Those were mm-hmm. my front runners. And I ended up going with Raleigh, North Carolina. So that was 10 years ago since I started bartending. Mm-hmm. When I was bartending, my father fell sick of cancer. So mm-hmm. I was using my skills as a bartender to make him um, organic juices that I knew he would enjoy. Yeah. And we had success keeping him in remission. And I was learning about holistic foods and medicines in order oh, to help okay. him yeah. and myself. So I was trying to come off of my own toxic consumption patterns while helping him with his different version of his own toxic consumption patterns. So here I am thinking, or what I'm realizing is I'm becoming really, really, again, what we talked about earlier, which is like my, my trauma of needing to connect is what led me to being a great connector. Here we are again, 20 years later, where my challenge or my trauma, which is health and an unconscious toxic consumption became my passion, which is conscious consumption, which is the, one of the, the values of, of Raleigh Raw. Yeah. So Raleigh Raw was then formed. My dad and I were talking and he said, why don't you, you know, why don't we see if this could be something that, you know, we could scale. So he gave me um, three grand for a juicer. I outgrew it. Um, I asked him for 20 grand. We went on a two-year loan. I paid it back. So he kept giving me like these micro loans. And then once I would make him whole, he would give me a little more, I would pay him back. And, yeah. and that's, that's how it, it, he became kind of like my, my bank when no one would right. lend. Yeah. Um, but, and, and it was in, and it strengthened our relationship. And then that's kind of how Raleigh Raw was born. And so I think the big takeaway there is, is that it was, it was a need that I was filling internally projected out to the mm. masses, yeah. you know? So it was like my own desire to, for conscious consumption became what I presented. And I think that's really common is people's businesses are expressions of their pain, they're expressions of their gifts and their higher selves. Um, And so going inside is the very first step in my mind for being a founder. Now you can be an investor in any business, but to, to, to found a business and have it be an authentic expression of who you are, it's usually a composite of of your pain and your gifts. Yeah, there's so much in there. So for all of you guys listening say you haven't quite you haven't quite cracked it yet in terms of, you know, what you want to do, then maybe there's I think Sharif you've made some really valid points there about going back and and really assessing kind of your life today and and your gifts today and and starting from there. I think that's I think that's really brilliant. So um obviously um Rally Raw was uh started off with juices but it's kind of since expanded into something so much more than that so 
could you um, give us kind of an overview of, of what that looks like and how Rally Raw um, as a brand has evolved? Yeah, so I like that you use the word expand because that's what I thought I should do in the same way that when I was sitting in that cube and I was going to climb that corporate ladder, as an entrepreneur, the, ver- the entrepreneurial version of climbing the corporate ladder is expanding the business, mm-hmm. right? So it's what society tells you. When you're an employee, they tell you to climb the ladder, be the manager, and then ultimately climb all the way up. When mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur, they tell you grow the business, scale the business, expand the business. And so what do you do if you're a restaurant? You open more locations. So I did that. Yeah. And I hated it. I was miserable because I realized that that was an egoic response to, you know, again, it was following what societal norms tell me to do. Yeah. I wanted to grow, not expand. Mm-hmm. And I conflated the two. Yeah. I thought that they meant the same thing. Mm-hmm. Growing means going inside and understanding what your needs are, what your customers' needs are, what the community's needs are, not doing what they tell you that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, what we actually did was we evolved, not yeah. expanded. And that's an, it's, it's an important distinction because as an individual, I was evolving. My consumption habits had, had I was cool. I don't struggle with, with alcohol or drugs or anything else anymore. Yeah. So to keep doing that was no longer satisfying to me because I, it, was a, it was something that I had already gotten past. Mm-hmm. Now what I wanted to do is go deeper. I wanted to go into... Um, to a deeper, more fulfilling spiritual connection. I wanted to work more on personal development. Freedom is an important value of mine. So yeah. the business started to reflect those things. So we started teaching meditation, teaching yoga, teaching personal development, teaching mm-hmm. trauma work, teaching diversity, teaching anti-racism, all of yeah. these things that were much, much deeper than just um, conscious consumption and smoothies and juices. It was time to take it to the next level because that's where I felt I was going. And then now um, a big, as the pandemic hits, it's it's an awakening because we feel constrained and we feel like we're being buried, Mm -hmm. but really we're being, I feel like we're, um, it's again, it's a distinction between being planted and being buried. Both feel the same, right? But one results when you know that one's happening for you, you know that this is a season to go underground and then later you're going to grow. And you're yeah. gonna blossom. And so I think that right now is like, it's an opportunity for me to, you know, to come back in on the business, build it quietly. Um, I'm, I'm right now um, motivated by freedom. Yeah. And so the idea of joining Wi-Fi tribe and being able to run the business remotely and then tie that in where the community in Raleigh is when they're looking to do retreats, you know, that's something that I can, I can easily facilitate with my experience of having been traveling all over the world. Mm -hmm. And then I can empower our local community to see how that gets done in the same way we empower them to eat consciously. We can now empower them to live consciously. Yeah. So the whole thing is starting to slot together. Mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing. I love that. You answered my second question about, what what kind of made you want to transition to digital nomad lifestyle? So you kind of answered that question. A lot of the uh, sessions and things that you run have now transitioned to being online. Is that something that you foresee continuing? Or how do you think you're going to build like almost like a hybrid lifestyle? Because I think for a lot of digital nomads, it's kind of 
are you, am I traveling like full time or is it something in between? Like, so for you, where do you see yourself as a, as a digital nomad as, and an entrepreneur with like a physical space as part of your business as well as online? Yeah. Like, how do you see yourself in that, on that spectrum? So t- first of all, the answer to that question is my own answer mm-hmm. based on my own experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody listening should run it through their own filter and take it with a grain of salt and apply what works for them based on their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And I always caution against going out there and listening to podcasts and gurus and and and, and having other people's realities be their own. Um, and so for me, I am, I was thrilled when it went online because it meant it's time for me to pack my bags and I'm no longer beholden. It just, it freed me to become no longer uh, location specific. The, the, the devastating thing is that these in-person um, workshops that I led were buzzing. There were 120 people in this tiny little studio, yeah. standing room only. We did all of this like role play stuff that you could never do if you were on Zoom. So the yeah. experience itself is not the same. Yeah. The advantage is that I get to travel. And then the advantage to the audience is that we can expand our market to international mm-hmm. rather than just what's there in the local community. Yeah. Um, and so to answer your question, I see it going to just continue to stay on video, even if, if and when the pandemic ends. And then yeah. those those workshops that were physical will then be um, paid workshops that I can facilitate, um, you know, where it justifies me going to a specific location yeah. to hold a workshop. But I think that's what works for me based on what I've built in the past and where I want to go in the future mm-hmm. and my own specific needs and the empathetic understanding of what my co- my customer and community are looking for it satisfies both and so I think that's what I would offer to someone else is like what satisfies your own needs and then also that of the business it might be that you stay on zoom it might be that right when this is over you head back and you do it um, in person or something but um, that's what I plan to do is to continue to to have more of an international um, presence than just a local community yeah no, that's perfect. I absolutely agree with that ethos. I, well, the digital nomad lifestyle kind of found me. So I, you know, travel some of the time. Um, and then I'm, you know, I've got like my home base here in the UK some of the time as, as well. So I do a little bit of both. So for all you guys listening, it's not all, it's not all one way or all the other. It's just, you know, what is, what is right for you. So I absolutely um, agree with that. Apologies for the abrupt ending there, but that concludes the first part of our podcast with Sharif. The next part of the podcast is actually going to be talking about a really uh, interesting issue in terms of the demographic of the digital nomad community, how we can be um, more diverse and more open to diversity within the community and what our part is to play in that. So I really do hope that you will stick around and listen to that. Otherwise, I hope you're all having a great day wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay safe and we will catch up in the next one. Take care. Bye.